Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I'm sure you can find Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Chapter 3 and verse 17. Did everybody have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend? Amen? Praise God. On the behalf of my wife and family, we would like to thank you as a congregation for your love gift to us for the holiday and day of Thanksgiving. We give thanks in return unto you. We thank you for your love. Greatly appreciated. Well, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for this special time of study of your word. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word, for we consider it to be more than our necessary bread. We thank you that your words are life unto us and health unto all of our flesh. We thank you, dear Father, that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which you please. It will prosper unto us where you sent it. It will yield fruit. We thank you that we can trust our lives to the provisions of your word. Now, we thank you for your Spirit who will unveil to our spirit the deep, rich treasures of your Word and enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and ability of all things that do pertain to life and godliness, that we might be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Now, we thank you that your Spirit will live big and bigger and greater within us than any force around us in Jesus' name. We channel our minds. We have receptive hearts, attentive ears to receive from your word now in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name. Three words, underline it. In the name. Notice the expression, in the name. I would like to continue in our series, which I have named the Reality Series. We've talked about the reality of our redemption. There are so many that are involved in what I call deliverance. Basically because they do not understand the fact that they've already been delivered. We've been delivered out of the authority of darkness. Isn't that what the Bible says? Doesn't it not say that we've been delivered out of the authority of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love? Does it say that? Does that mean we're delivered from the devil, demons, and all of His kingdom? That's what it says. Amen. Well, we said in order to walk victoriously, we've got to understand the reality of our 
redemption. Experience the reality of it. Not just know it by doctrine or creed, but to experience it in reality. I've been delivered from the devil and his kingdom. Then we talked about the reality of the new creation and all that Jesus had to do in order to make it possible for a new creation. We talked about Jesus and becoming our substitute, entering into the lowest recesses of the damned to suffer our torments that we should have suffered. He paid the debt he did not owe. We owed a debt that we could not pay, but Jesus did it for us. And he made it possible that a new creation, a new fabrication, a new species that never before existed come into being. It's not enough just to know that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We need to experience the new birth to be a new creation. And we also said that this new creation is recreated in a higher plane and on a higher level than Adam when he was first created. Now, these things may be new to you. I'm sorry you'll have to sit tight or get a tape and find out. But I'm just picking up where I left off. But the new creation, see the word creature that's there is fabricate, a new species that never before existed. God did that in the new creation, in the new birth. Then we talked about the reality of the new birth, that God actually gave birth to us. God actually gave birth to us. Sometimes I think the language of the Spirit seems far away from our thinking faculties. And Well, the Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. But nonetheless, it's so that God himself went into labor in the person of Jesus Christ to give birth to his people. What does John say? A woman, when her hours come, is in travail, sorrow. But the joy of bringing the man in the world wipes away the travail and the sorrow. Isn't that what it says? And Jesus in the next breath said, mine hours come. And Isaiah 53 said, he shall see the travail of his soul... And then shall he see a seed. And the seed doesn't come till after the travail of the soul of Jesus. Now, all that's been touched. Now, are you ready? Do you have your shouting clothes on? Are you ready to rejoice and shout? The next thing we want to talk about is, if found in this scripture, it's the name. The reality of the name of Jesus. This name has within it the very essence of Christianity. It has within it omnipotence. When Jesus walked upon the face of the earth, he used power that the world has never seen or known before. He walked upon the water. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. He raised up the dead. He healed the blind, cast out devils, stopped the winds and the storms. He used omnipotent power at will. But before he left the earth, he said to his disciples, I'm going to leave you a power in my name that will do the very thing I did when I walked upon the face of the earth. And the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask anything, and I will do it. 
glory. And he said, all that you do in word and deed, do it in my name. Is that what he said? Do it in my name. Why was he emphasizing his name? Because in that name lies the very essence of Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with God in the name of Jesus. Well, today people are seeking power. They call that power Pentecostal power. If we could just have the power that the early church had when they walked upon the earth and when they lived, well, bless God, then we can start to do the things that they did when they were here. They seek and search for this power in consecration. If I can just consecrate myself enough times, then I'll begin to walk in this power. Well, if I just dedicate myself, then I'll walk in this power. They seek and search for this power in fasting. If I can just fast long enough, then I'll come back fresh in the power and walk in the fullness of that power. Boy, I'd hate to think that every time I needed to get a prayer answered, I'd have to fast for 40 days. Wouldn't you? I wouldn't want to have to fast 40 days just to get an answer to prayer. Would you? I mean, that doesn't sound reasonable, does it? Oh, that's another subject, but we won't get into that. Well, they seek and they search for this power, either fasting or consecration or long prayers. If I could just pray long enough, if I could just pray long enough, then of course I'd have this power. Well, no. You see, they seek for it and search for it in every direction except the right one. What's the secret of the power the early church possessed? Where does the secret lie? Where is this power? Where does it lie? In the name of the Lord Jesus. This early church had an awareness of the name. They had an understanding of the power in that name. They understood the reality of the name of Jesus. Now, not all the church... Not all the church. The apostles did. And those that were diligent enough to seek and search for the power in the name. See, they understood the power vested in the name of Jesus. And because they understood that, they walked in the light of it. Now, I want you to turn with me. You say, what do you mean by the reality of the name? The reality. Everybody knows that Jesus' name is above. How many of you know that Jesus' name is above every other? You know that? I said, you know that for a fact? Is it above the name of cold? Is it above the name of virus? Is it above the name of cancer? Well, it's above every name. It's, these are names I'm naming. Is it? Is it? It's not enough to know that. That's not enough. See, here's where you hit home with me. I don't just want to know that it's above that name. I want to experience the reality of the power in that name so that when I use that name, cancer's got to flee. Devil's got to go. Sickness has to dissipate and disappear. Fear has got to flee. That's the reality. I'll share it with you. Look at Mark 16. Mark chapter 16. The early church possessed a power 
in their group, in their ministry, that turned the world upside down. Shook Judaism to its very foundation. Shook the Roman government to its foundation. But what was the secret of that power? In Mark 16, chapter 16, verses 15 through 20, here we see Jesus speaking. He answered and said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now notice, underline again, In my name. In my name. This is not a preacher. A modernistic preacher of the day. It's not even an apostle or a disciple. This is the Lord Jesus himself. In my name shall... And it doesn't say the apostles. It doesn't say the early church. It says, Those that believe on me in my name shall they cast out devils. Five things in connection with the name of Jesus. And I'm not saying it. Jesus is. Jesus said there are five things that the believing one will do in my name. Cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. I like to challenge everyone that disbelieves that speaking in tongues is for this generation. If you are a thinking person and have any kind of intelligence, and I believe you are, and do. Jesus said, not your preacher, not your religion, not your doctor, not your creed. Jesus said, in my name, they will speak with new tongues. Is the name for us today? There's, there's no salvation in any other name but the name of who? How do you get saved? By the name of Jesus. If the name is for today, and Jesus said that in my name, these five things will happen and follow the believer. These five things will happen in my name. They'll cast out devils and they'll speak with new tongues. Who said they'd speak with new tongues? That's pretty good authority if you ask me. Jesus said that they would speak with new tongues. They'd also take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not, underline that over there in verse 18, will not hurt them. Will not hurt them. They'll take up serpents, and if they drink any, any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. In my name, of course, all these things are happening. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Well, the next verse says, And after he has spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming his word with signs following. Confirming whose word? Jesus' word. What word did he give? Praise the gospel to every creature. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. All that you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay their hands upon the sick, and they, the sick, shall recover. All these five things are in direct connection with the power vested in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the name has never lost its power. It has never changed. It has not diminished one iota. When people tell me that they're all, you know, bound up by the devil, and they say that we can't overcome our sickness or our disease, and we're just failures, and, you know, we're weak, I have to question in my own thinking, does Christianity have a bag of holes? Did God mock us? Did Jesus tease us when he said, Go ye, and in my name ye shall... It doesn't say, Take in devils as pets. It says, In my name ye shall cast out devils. Are you a believer here today? We've got no business being bound up by the devil. Why do you say that? I say it because of this. I'm a preacher of the truth, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus annihilated, defeated, destroyed, paralyzed, whipped, beat, any way you want to say it, the devil. And if the devil is getting stronger, then Jesus is getting weaker. And ye are his body. Now, either Jesus is stronger and the devil's getting weaker, or the devil's getting stronger and Jesus is diminishing in his power and his name is getting weaker. Now, when Jesus said, go ye and cast out devils, it sounded like to me that the name was stronger than the devil. Am I right? Well, then the power vested in the name of Jesus is stronger than all satanic force and influence. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says to us that the prince and the power of this world has been brought to naught. And one translation says he's been brought down to nothing and he's on the decline unto his end. He's in the minus column. The devil is in the minus column. Hallelujah. And we are in the plus. Amen. So Jesus is not diminishing, and the power in his name is not diminishing, but the devil's been brought down to naught, and he's getting lower and lower and lower and nearer to his doom, his ultimate end. The place prepared for him and his angels, that is the lake of fire, the federal prison of the universe. And he knows it, and he's sweating. Well, that's why I have to say, we've got no business being bound up by the devil. Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Well, let's find out if this really happened. The reality of the name. How do I know the reality? What's the reality of the name? Acts chapter 28. I'm glad you asked. Acts chapter 28. Begin reading at verse 1. This is reality. Jesus said, In my name ye shall cast out devils, take up serpents, Speak with new tongues. Take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it will not, what? Hurt you. Okay. In verse 1, and when they were escaped, this is talking about Paul when he was on the ship. And there was a great storm out at sea. And they were brought to the Isle of Melita. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. 
And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. And shall not what? Hurt you. Take up serpents. All right, now listen. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm, no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now I want you to note that this great apostle was bitten by a venomous viper, snake, poisonous. And that poison entered into his bloodstream. Now, these people live on that land. They know a venomous snake when they see one. I mean, that's their island. And they said that he should have swollen and fall over dead. Fallen over dead. He should have died by that snake bite. I'm sure they've seen others do it. Probably of their own kin. Got bitten by a snake like that and fell over and they died. And they thought, well, he's a murderer for sure. And although he escaped the sea, he's not going to escape the bite of the viper. And that blood began to be poisoned, you see. The poison, it enters into the bloodstream to kill. But I want you to know, Paul didn't have time for a long prayer. Paul didn't have time to fast for 40 days. Paul did not have time to consecrate and rededicate his life. He didn't have time to go up to the Beaver Valley Medical Center. He did not have time to, you know why? Because he couldn't fly over there and get back over here. And then finally, Brother Mike over here go up and pick him up at the airport and bring him over to the Beaver Valley Medical Center. He didn't have time to do all that. Did he? If he waited to do all that, he'd have been what? D-E-A-D. Graveyard Dead. Not alive, he'd have been dead. Why are you emphasizing this? I want you to see a truth here. I want you to know that there is a name above the name of poison by the which we are called. And this apostle knew the power that was vested in that name. And when that viper bit him on the hand, and release its poisonous venom. He just shook that thing off in the name of Jesus and went about his business. And no harm came to him. Jesus said, in my name, you shall take up serpents. And any deadly thing, any poisonous thing will not hurt you. Now, this is either Christianity or this is religion. And when you talk about experiencing the reality of the power vested in that name, Paul did right there. He experienced the reality of the power. The power in the name of Jesus was greater than the power of the poison. And this is not extreme preaching, my brother and my sister. This is actual truth and fact. They expected, I proved to you that, that he should have been dead. Here's a bunch of barbarians. Here's a bunch of heathens, people that don't know God, don't know of God, don't know the real God. And I mean to tell you, they've got their own lifestyle and everything. They know the snake, they saw the viper. But Paul... Because of that miracle in the name of Jesus and laying his hands on the governor of the island, he laid his hands on him, because of it, 
the whole island was born again. If these heathen people and barbarous people, I mean, if these people did not know that that was an authentic miracle, if they did not know that this man possessed an awesome power that they never saw displayed before, and that truly was a poisonous snake, they'd have shrugged it off and said, well, it wasn't. They'd have been like the modernistic people of the day, even some modernistic preachers of the day. You know what they would have said? He wasn't really sick anyhow. Did you ever go to the hospital, have you know, people pray, lay hands on you, and the tumor disappears? And they say, well, there mustn't have been a tumor there anyhow. I did it. I, laid it, I prayed with an, a, a woman, and she, was, uh, she couldn't even walk, and she, uh, in a split second of time, was instantly healed and began to walk and jump on that foot. Her husband came home, took her to the doctor. The doctor checked her out and said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, something healed Jews greater than man, because there's no way you can walk and jump on that foot right now. It's impossible. And the husband says, oh, she was only in her mind. The doctor admitted it was a miracle, but the husband said it was only in her mind. But yet he carried her because she couldn't walk on that foot. No, if they were even half like the people of today, they'd have said that wasn't a poisonous snake. That snake wasn't a poisonous But it was because they knew it was. See, they weren't Christians trying to prove that Paul was an apostle. They were a bunch of barbarians that didn't care really much, but they wanted to help these people out. But they said, see, this guy's going to die. Because he got bit by that snake. They knew it was a poisonous snake. But he, they also saw that this man possessed something that was far greater than the poison inside that snake. It was a miracle from God. That's what I call experiencing reality. Reality. We are either going to experience reality with God or we're going to be religious. And my brother and my sister, it's time that the church wake up and find out where the power lies. The power does not lie in prayer and fasting. The power lies in the majestic name of Jesus. When Jesus was raised up from the dead, he said, All power and authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore, go ye therefore in my powerful name and do all these things. Well, let's go back and find out if they did. Go back to Acts chapter 3 and find out if, if that's true. See, the power is in the name. He also said that healing was in connection with my name. See, over the period of years... Through what we call the Dark Ages, the church was stripped of her power. You say, how could that be? Well, Moses, he used the rod. And so long as Moses had the rod, he had the power. Miracle-working power. Samson had long hair as a Nazarene. So long as his hair was growing out long, just continued to grow... He had power to perform supernatural miracles, supernatural feats of strength. I mean, he did things that, that a natural man could not do because of this awesome power he possessed, and we found out that the power was in his hair. Of course, it was the power of God, but it was an obedience to God and not cutting his hair. And we also found out that when his hair, when he, because of his sin, had his hair cut off, tried to do what he did before the hair was cut off and lost his power. He was still Samson, but Samson without any power. Powerless Samson. Well, the church, you see, entered into that same condition, that same state. The church walked in the power of the name of Jesus. And as long as they walked in the power of the name of Jesus, that name and that power turned the world upside down. But when they became respectable... And when they no longer heralded the name of Jesus, and when they said all oh, this died away and passed away and nobody can be healed like that and nobody can be delivered like that and you can't cast out devils anymore, you know, for the life of me, 
I don't understand. As long as there's sickness, then you've got to be able to be healed. If healing stopped, then it means sickness has, had to stop. It's, if there are devils to be cast out, and you've got the name of Jesus, then it means that devils are still going to be cast out. You can't say that the name stopped, but the devils exist on. You can't say that the Satan is growing stronger, but Jesus is diminishing. Do you see how ridiculous this kind of theory is? You can't say all this stuff stopped, and the devil's getting bigger, and Jesus, he's up in heaven now, and his body's getting weaker. No, 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 a thousand times no. No, we've got a name that's above every other name. As long as there is sickness and disease, there is healing power in the name of Jesus. As long as there are demons, they can be cast out in the name of Jesus. As long as there are poisonous snakes, they can be overcome. Now, not by foolishness and presumption, not by you walking out and to prove it to be true like some people do. And when I said people, I gave them mercy. They go out there and just say, well, I'm going to stick my hand on here, let this, this snake bite it, and this, you know, I'm not going to die. Now, that's foolishness. We're talking about if you're out preaching the gospel for Jesus or if it's an accident. There have been people that have taken things in their body by accident. There was a group of, of ministers that were out ministering in a foreign land, the name of Jesus. I'm talking about the power vested in the name of Jesus. And, and when they were ministering, there was a bunch of people that did not like what they were saying and said, okay, if they believe there's so much power in the name of Jesus, we're going to put poison in their water. They had water in bowls, not tap water like we have. In bowls in their rooms, and they're just going to put poison inside, some for washing and one bowl for drinking, and we're going to put poison inside there and we're going to kill them if they believe in this name that they preach about. When all of a sudden, all of them start to have stomach cramps inside, you know, pains and cramps inside their stomach, and one of the preachers got a revelation and said, Yeah, they put poison inside our water. I see it. Spirit of God showed it to them, and they said, In the name of Jesus, we claim immunity. In the name of Jesus, we'll not die but live. And immediately they were all healed. And they took the, the, the bowls that had the water in it and the poison in it, and they took them to a, 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 an army camp, army base that was there in the island where they were preaching. And, of course, those that, were, that attempted to kill them, they saw that these men didn't die. They couldn't understand it. They were puzzled at it. But they took the water and the army scientists and everything, you know, checked it out. And found out that there was enough poison inside this water to kill a regiment of soldiers. The name of Jesus overpowered the poison that entered into their system. And they didn't have to go get pumped out. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm telling you that there's a place in the name of Jesus where we can just throw ourselves on the mercy of that name. And that name alone is sufficient enough to deliver us from anything. Because you're not going to always be in a position where you can run up to a hospital. If you're out there in a, in a missionary field somewhere, my brother and my sister, they don't have medical centers like we have. And you're out there on the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus alone. But you see, experiencing reality in that name. And that's exactly what these men did. And that's exactly what Paul did. I'm talking about getting back to a place where there's reality in the name of Jesus. Reality. Not just talk, not just mental assent, not just talk about that. I mean experiencing the reality of the power in the name of Jesus. Now here we see healing is in connection with the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, we see Peter and John entered into the temple about the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily, at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to enter into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fasting his eyes on him, with John said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then said Peter, Silver and gold 
have I none. But such as I have, you can't give something that you don't have, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaping up stood and walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Here was a man that never walked from his mother's womb, but Peter has something to give to this man. Peter understood the power that was vested in the name of Jesus. He knew the reality of the power in the name of Jesus, and he knew that Jesus said to him that sickness and disease and all these calamities that come our way are not more powerful than my name, and took him up by that right hand as he was instructed by the Spirit of God and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaped and walked and entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. How did this miracle take place? Verse 16 tells you how. Peter was questioned. They came and thought they were going to make him a god. They said, whoa, we've never seen anything like this before. And he says, oh, it's not by our holiness. It's not by our power. It's not by our fasting or consecration or prayer. He said in verse 16, be it known unto you all, that his name, through faith in his name, had made this man strong whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given this man his perfect soundness in the presence of ye all. What healed the man? The name. Peter gave credit to the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. All that you do in word and deed, do all in the name. You see, the church possessed understanding and knowledge of the reality of the power that was in the name of Jesus when God raised him up from the dead. And because of that awareness and understanding of the power in that name, not just in knowledge, but in reality, they did these great things that caused the world to be turned upside down. I mean to tell you, the people didn't know what to do. The high priest didn't know what to do. The Roman, the Roman government didn't know what to do, what was going on. I mean, this guy, they thought they killed him. They thought he was dead. They figured they heard the last of this Jesus of Nazareth when all of a sudden all these things begin to happen. Wonderful miracles are done and wrought by the name. Now, I want to show you how they challenged that name. You're in chapter uh, 3. Go to chapter 4 of the same book of Acts. In chapter 4, look at verse 3. And they laid hands on them, and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believe, and the number of the men was five thousand. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kingdom of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter said, filled with the Holy Ghost, he said unto them, You rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we be examined this day of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other... For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. By what name? But the name of the Lord Jesus. Salvation is in connection with the name of the Lord Jesus. You cannot be saved in the name of Buddha. You cannot be saved in the name of Muhammad. You've got to be saved in the name of the Lord Jesus. And now listen to me. Jesus said, in connection with my name, you shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, and take up serpents. And if you drink any dead thing, it will not hurt you. And lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Who said that? Jesus said that. If anybody knows what his name will do, it's not a modernistic preacher, it's not a theologian, it's not anybody else I know on this side of earth, it's Jesus of Nazareth. If anybody knows what his name can do, it should be him. And I challenge anybody to refute that. 
I challenge anybody, any preacher, any theologian to tell me that Jesus doesn't know what his name would do. I don't take what they say. I take what, what Jesus said. Jesus told me that his name will cast out devils. His name, you can speak with new tongues. In his name, I can take up serpents. In his name, drink any dead thing will not hurt me. And lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover all in his name. And I'm not believing anybody else but him. That's what he said his name would do. I believe it. That settles it. How about you? Well, let's go on. Look what happened. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Yeah, God takes the foolish and the unlearned things to confound the wise. And they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had, oh, yes, been with Jesus. Hallelujah. They had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed a notable miracle is done, had been made, had been done by them, is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but that it spread no further. <laughs> now I want you to see where Samson started to get his hair cut off. Right here. This is the devil's attempt. To stop people from talking about the name of Jesus. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name. It's evident that everywhere they went in the synagogue, see, it wasn't like our church services today. We have our nice flowery sermons about politics and economics and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. But bless God, how about some nice, good teaching on the name of the Lord Jesus? When they went into the synagogue, you know what they said? Ye men of Israel, hearken unto me. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, sent His Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, to come to this earth to be the propitiation for your sins. And you didn't believe in Him. But I want you to know that God had raised Him from the dead and to prove it all, His name is above every other name and if you'll come and receive from his name you too can be born again and receive eternal life and watch they heal sick heal the sick and raise the dead and, and cast out devils and they saw it all and they could not deny that a notable miracle was done in the name of Jesus now if that don't get you shouting your shouting clothes just aren't on I mean to tell you that's the kind of preaching we need to have not about politics. You want an answer to your problem that's found in the name of the Lord Jesus. You want an answer to that divorce problem? You cast out that spirit behind divorce in Jesus' mighty name and it will go. You want to find out what that problem with your teenagers? You cast out that demonic influence that tries in, in, to, in, and endeavors to destroy their young lives. And in Jesus' name, it's got to go. Don't take him in his pets. You cast him out. That's what it says to do. I mean, if that name is not strong enough and more powerful enough than all that, well, that name is more powerful than the nuclear bomb. Oh, now, preacher, you're getting far-fetched. Am I really? I want you to know that the nuclear bomb never raised anybody from the dead. And I want you to know that the nuclear bomb never created a world. And I also want you to know that a whisper of the name of Jesus could take all the power of a nuclear bomb and destroy it like that. And if you get enough people, you talk about power that Russia has or any country has with nuclear weapons, the United States has. The United States has a power inside this boundaries of our land in which we live. That's called the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that when they gather together and say the name of Jesus, will turn this world over inside out and upside down. And they wouldn't know what hit them. Right here. Right here. It's the name of Jesus. I said it's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus because it created this world. 
and that name is more powerful than anything that, that man can devise. You think man's more powerful than God? That's silly. No. I mean, prove it, prove it out. There's more to be with us than to be with them. When they tried to attack Israel, they came with all their weapons, their forces, their bombs. God sent down some angels. Glory to God. And they all went to flight. And two little old men destroyed the whole armies. That's right. Would have God I could preach on that for a while. Glory to God, I'll tell you what. Now let's see here. Look it over there in the next verse. Verse 19. They told him, don't preach about this name. See, they st- that's where the devil wants to shave our heads. Like Samson. Well, let's look, look, look at it. This should be our response. For we cannot. Now, Peter, verse 19. Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. In other words, what's right for us to do? You may be the high priest and the rulers, but God told us in the person of His Son, Jesus, to go in all the world and herald the name of Jesus. He told us to go and speak about the power in, of His name and the power that's in His name and what His name can do on, in the hearts and on the lips of a born-again believer, and I'm not going to stop doing it. Look at verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I heard Him say it. I heard Him say it. I heard him say it. I've seen what it could do. I've seen the dead raised. I, I saw deaf ears open. I saw blind eyes open. I saw the lame walk. I saw the blind to see. I saw all these. I saw multitudes healed. I saw the fish, you know, a, a coin in the fish's mouth. I saw the fish multiplied and the loaves multiplied. I saw all these things. And you want me to not preach about this majestic name? Who are you kidding trying to get me like Samson was with my hair cut off. No way. I'm going to preach about the name of Jesus. That's what he said. So, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Now listen. And being let go, Peter and John went to their own company. They didn't go to the president. They didn't go to, to Rome. They didn't go to Caesar. They didn't go to the high priest. They went to the who? Their own company. Their own company that believed on the name of Jesus. And they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, that has made the heaven and the earth and has seen all that in them is. And who by the mouth of thy servant David said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, for to do whatsoever thy hand and the counsel for to be done. But now, Lord, now listen, behold their threatenings and grant unto us your servants. No, they didn't stop preaching the name. They said, grant unto... Listen to what they're threatening us not to preach the name of Jesus. Grant unto us your servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be wrought by the name, by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they was assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. What was the power that they had? In other words, you let them take that name away from us, we'll become like the shorn Samson. But don't you dare let them take that name, that worthy name by the which we are called, 
that honorable name by the which we are called. Let's not dare let anybody take that name away from us, that precious name, because in that name lies all omnipotent power. And for whose purpose? For who? For who? Why did he do this? Why did he make this investment in the name of Jesus? Why is the name of Jesus so powerful? For who? Because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father? No. He don't need his name. I mean, he's pretty well off. But for the church. You know what he said in John 16, 23 and 24? At that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, that gives you authority at the heaven's throne. He will give it to you. Hitherto or up until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive and your joy may be full. Take my name, he said. That name has authority in all three worlds, which we'll get to in a minute, time permitting. But I want you to see this. This church had understanding of the power. There was another attempt in Acts chapter 5. Look at Acts chapter 5. They again got a hold of Peter and John. They wanted to beat them. They wanted to put them in prison, kill them. Anything they can do to stop that name from being preached. Anything they can do to stop that name from being preached, they wanted to do. Look at verse 40. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of who? And let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, it sounds like to me they're rebellious people. Look at, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ. You talk about persecution. I mean, the high priest. The rulers of the day threatened them. We'll kill you, you preach that name. Boy, they laughed. They rejoiced. They got excited. Glory to God. There's nobody going to take that away from us, that name. And they went on preaching that name. I want to show you how effective that name was. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. I mean, these apostles got a hold of it. Now Philip becomes an evangelist, and he gets a hold of the power of that name. And Philip goes down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And all the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and those that were taken with the palsy and that lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Well, verse 12 tells you why there was great joy and tells you how these miracles took place. Verse 12 says, And when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of... What did Jesus say would happen with his name? Cast out who? Devils. What does it say Philip did? Cast out devils. Lay hands on the sick and they shall what? And those that were lame, taken with the palsy and were lame, were healed. And what, did P, what does it say here that Philip preached? The kingdom of God and the what? And the name of Jesus. My brother and my sister, can you see how we've become almost an apostate church? Can you see where we have become the shorn Samson? 
Can you see we become Moses without the rod if the church is stripped of the name? For this name turned the world upside down. This name is the battle axe and was the battle axe in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. This Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, says, I thought that I should do many things contrary to the name of Jesus. This same Apostle Paul says, I, myself, am going to put people in jail if they talk about the name of Jesus. He thought that was his ministry, his life. He says, I'm going to go. I'm going to. He had papers signed so that he can go and throw people in Damascus and throw them in jail if they talked about and kill them if they, if they believed in the name of Jesus. And on that road, look at verse chapter 9. Look at chapter 9. And on that road, he, he met up with a certain individual. Oh, yeah. Saul was breathing out threatenings against the church of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when all of a sudden, on his way down the road to Damascus, there shone a light round about him that was brighter than the noonday sun. And he fell down on the ground. His eyes, as you know, were blinded. He could not see in the natural, but he saw in the spirit realm. He saw the Lord. He said, Lord, who art thou? And the Lord says, I am Jesus. Whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In other words, I've been pierced. My hands and my sides. And now you're preaching against my name. You're afflicting my body in the earth. And he says, I don't want it. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? To sum it all up, look at verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name. To bear my what? I want you to notice that Jesus values his name. I want you to notice that everywhere he sends somebody, he says, go in my name. Oh, Lord, help us to see that we're as Moses without the rod, as Samson without his hair, if we go without the reality and understanding of the name. For this name is all-powerful, omnipotent. This name has within it omnipotence itself. This name is above every other name. It was the battle axe. It was what Paul used. And he says, Go bear my name. Look what he says. Before the Gentiles and the kings of the children of Israel, for I will show them how great things he must suffer for. What? Oh, can you see this? Can you see that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was the battle axe in the, in the ministry of the Apostle Paul? Everywhere he went, he spoke about the name. It took 14 years for him to get this revelation. The, the, the apostles, they had... The other apostles, they had a, an eyewitness. They, they saw what Jesus did. But this man was opposing everything that Jesus stood for. They didn't hear what Jesus... He didn't hear what Jesus said. And so Jesus took him aside, set him on a, in a desert someplace and, and began to speak to him for 14 years about the power that was vested in his name. And this man got a revelation of what happened to Jesus and got a revelation of the, of the omnipotence God invested in his name when he raised him up from the dead. Now, I don't know whether you're aware of this or not, but I just want to just spell it out for you. There's only three ways we can actually obtain a great name. Some obtain a great name by birthright, inheritance. You're born into a family where, you know, into a king's family. And so by birthright, you obtain a great name. I mean, you know, your, your father is the president of the United States of America and automatically you've got a pretty good name. Or he's the king of Israel or somebody and automatically you've got a good name. And so you're born into a great name. You can have a great name conferred upon you, given to you. Honored. Honorable thing. For an example, we hear those that are receiving now an honorary doctorate. 
They didn't actually go through the studies and everything. But because of their studies, independent, you know, from that, uh, their own, they've been acknowledged, say, by a certain university, such as Oral Roberts University. And so they have an honorary doctorate. They were given this name, conferred upon them by someone who could and had the, you know, resources to do that. And then also, one can receive a great name, not only by these things, but also by his achievements. How many have climbed up the ladder of success and obtained a great name for themselves because of that which they have done? The things that they really did in life. And so they, Muhammad Ali in the sports world has obtained a great name for himself because of his achievements. Jimmy Brown has obtained a great name for himself in the sports world because of his achievements. George Washington has obtained a great name for himself. He was a nobody until he became the President of the United States of America and he obtained a great name because of his achievements. And I can go on and on and on. I'd like to quote to you some scripture. Jesus' name is great because of this threefold greatness. Number one, he obtained a more excellent name than any of the angels by birthright. I want, I want you to see, I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that Jesus, being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power, after He purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and God the Father, it says, having obtained a more excellent name than any of the angels by inheritance. He inherited a more excellent name than they. Inheritance means a birthright. I want you to see something that's flashing across my spirit right now. Jesus was born again of His Father. How do you receive a great name? When you're born into a family like a king. Jesus was born into His Father's family. Does not that whole chapter tell you in the first five or six verses, that God said, Thou art my begotten Son. This day have I begotten Thee. And because of birthright, He inherited a great name. Son of God, Jesus. Now that's by inheritance. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted Him and hath given Him. Who gave Him the name? The Father God gave him a name which is above every other name. How honorable is that name? How great is that name? That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. In other words, his name is above every name. And in Ephesians chapter 1, it tells you that his name is above principalities and powers and mights and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come that his name is above every other name, more powerful and greater than any name. Now, are you ready for this? You could stand shoulder to shoulder. Every individual in the medical field, in the scientific field, in the mental realm field, you could stand them shoulder to shoulder, hand to hand, line them up around the world if you like, and have them name you names of diseases, and things that attack our body, whether physically or mentally. And you could just have them... Some of those names are... I wouldn't even want to pronounce them about this long. 
They could name them and 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 on and on and on and on. Cancer, tuberculosis, arthritis. I mean, name them, name them, name them and keep on naming them. I don't know how long it would take for them to name every name of every enemy of man. But I know this, that when they got done, I could whisper in a split second one name that's above all. And at the whisper of that name, they all must bow. Now, I challenge your heart. Either God lied or that's true, that this name is above every name. I don't know what it is that may bind your body, but I want you to know that if you're sincere with God, there is a name that will deliver you. There is a supernatural power behind the name of Jesus that the early church walked in that they knew of and they understood. I'm talking about not the whole church, the church as a whole, but the leaders that they knew in that name that can cause these things to happen. Now, Jesus, thirdly, he inherited his great name by his achievements. And by his achievements, I mean by his conquest. I mean by his victory over the devil and his bunch. The Bible says that God also gave him this name because of his achievements. Jesus' name stands forever. I mean, wherever the shame of the cross goes, wherever, I don't care how far-reaching it is, as he hung there on that cross, stark naked, in shame, before the human race, before his own family members, before his own people, the Jews, before everybody on that tree, where he hung there in shame, open shame, I want you to know that no matter how far-reaching that shame is, that the glory vested in His name when God raised Him from the dead far supersedes any of the shame. Because He went down into the lowest pits of the damned. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15, He destroyed the devil. It says He threw off the host of darkness. He went down there and He defeated the devil. He stripped him of his power. He stripped him of his authority. He brought him down to naught. Brought him down to nothing. I mean, He annihilated him in a... Hebrews 2.14 says he paralyzed him, destroyed him, brought him down a knot, and whipped him, left him there, defeated in hell, and was raised up from the dead and said these very words after he said, All hell, all power is given unto me both in heaven and earth. All power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore in my name. My name, he gave us the, the, the legal right, the power of eternity to use his name against all the hostile forces of darkness. My brother and my sister, I challenge your heart today that wherever that name is, it means no matter what faces that name, the power in that name is greater than the power of anything else. No matter, it's not a matter of people saying, well, does God want to heal me? If he gave you the name, the name is above disease. If he gave you the name, the name is above devils. If He gave you the name, the name is above lack and fear and worry and poverty. The name, all that you do in word and deed, do all in the name because the name has all power. But no, the church walks around with their hair cut. The very thing that the devil tried to do to the apostles, preach and teach. Preach good conduct. Preach good morals. Preach coming to church. Preach against those that don't come to church. Preach against those that have a problem in their life. Preach against this. Preach about divorce. Preach about that. Preach about politics. Preach about this. Wasn't that a nice sermon he preached about? It was really nice. Wasn't that really nice? That was a really nice sermon he preached. Yeah, what was it about? Well, you know, we can... What in the world are we preaching about? Everything except what Jesus said to go and do. And that was take my name and in my name cast out devils. Don't take them in as pets. Cast out devils. Speak in new tongues. 
take up serpents. If you drink any little thing, my name has power over it. You won't die from it. Glory be to God. And lay your hands on the sick folk and they'll recover and you'll turn your world upside down for me. Now that's what the devil doesn't want us preaching. And that's why, who should I hearken unto? Men, devils, or unto God? Catch the vision, my brother and sister. I'm learning just like you're learning, but I want you to know that that's where the power lies. That's where the power lies. You want Pentecostal power? Don't seek it in fasting and prayers. Seek it in the name. Seek it in the name. You'll have Pentecostal power. There's no reason for the church to be weak, beggarly. There's no reason for the church not to be delivered and set free because there's no power. Does not the Bible say that the greater one's in us? Does not the Bible say that we've overcome devils and evil spirits for greater is he that's in us and is in the world? Does not the Bible say that we are overcomers through him that loved us? Then how does this power and, uh, you know, work in our lives? Through the name of Jesus. How does this power become available to us? Through the name of Jesus. How does all these things happen? Through the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.